Welcome to The Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a birth worker, mum of two boys, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, welcome back to The Real Birth Podcast. This week, my guest is Mez, sharing the birth of their son. Mez is a non-binary parent and has four older children with their wife. However, this pregnancy was the first time that Mez carried and birthed a biological child. After undergoing IVF, Mez had a really positive experience with their NHS midwives during pregnancy, but did find that the care postnatally was woefully lacking when it came to both the basic care and also awareness of using correct pronouns and the language they used. Mez had an induction which, whilst lengthy and drawn out, did turn out to be absolutely the right choice for their baby. Without further ado, I will turn this over to Mez to share their story. Hi Mez, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's a real pleasure to have you. Before we start on your uh, birth story, could you tell me a little bit about you, who you are, who's in your family and where you're living? I live in Birkenhead with my wife and we've got two younger children at home uh, that are 14 and 12 and we've got two older ones that have flown the nest, one's 23 and one's 19. So we've got quite a mixed bag and then obviously we've got um, the new arrival that joined us so we've got a handful with five. That Um, is a handful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you have got a big family already where did the decision start to come from about introducing another baby into the mix well it was a long process of thinking really and because I'd always never seen myself being the one that would carry and give birth Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was kind of doing a lot of soul searching and I figured out I pretty I pretty much had a fear of childbirth and I, I think probably due to like media and things, the things you say, like it, they, they terrify you. So there was a lot of thinking going on. And I was thinking, well, is it fate that I've met my wife and she's got four already? And is that what's meant for me? And then I was thinking, well, do I leave it to what I think could be fate or do I do something about it? Because I've always, I'd always kind of seen myself having one little boy just of my own like like genetically my own yeah although it's wonderful like having the the four there was always something in me like even before I met Kama that I I I wanted and it turned out that just due to personal reasons that if we were going to do it it was going to have to be me um and for 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 him to genetically um be mine I'd, it would be my eggs, so I may as well do the whole yeah. thing, kind of thing. Although yeah. there's the reciprocal thing that you can do. So there was a lot of thinking going on during lockdown, and then we came out of lockdown. And I thought, well, there's no better time, better time than for a fresh start than just to do it now, kind of thing. So it was like the January of 2021 that we. Um, started looking into things with regards to like having IUI or IVF and mm. what would be best and having all sorts of tests and I was do, still doing soul searching thinking can I do this and what what are other non-binary can, can non-binary people get their heads around doing this and who who have I got to look to that can sort of help me get my head around it and mm. um, so I looked into like sort of there was a trans um, person who'd given birth called Danny the trans dad and he's a non-binary person and he birthed his child and then there's other, there's other like um, masculine presenting lesbians that had um, had given birth and I thought well, do you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. So let's just get it done. Yeah. Let's get on with it. Let's get the test. Let's get on with it. 
we went to the clinic that was local to us and they begun they began some tests lots of questions and blood tests and internal scans and things like uh, basically a full analysis of you as a person as well as like physically as well so it's quite it's quite invasive some of it it is quite like wow (laughs) you've asked that kind of thing because you had to have a counseling session as well which they call a counseling session but it more feels like a bit of a are you okay to be a parent kind of um assessment kind of thing wow you think not everyone has to sit and do that no yeah so that's how I felt about it yeah Yeah. so we we did that and uh, we went for a after the tests and things we went for a consultation with I can't remember his name but it was the like the main person with regards to fertility Mm. Um, he said like he was jokingly saying well I'm glad to say that you've passed and you're not strange and (laughs) and I was like that's kind of what it felt like but yeah like like a like a baby exam (laughs) can you do yeah like yeah and yeah basically so yeah and they've discovered that I had a blocked tube and um some polyps okay so I had to have an operation September in that September of the same year mm. and they removed one of my tubes and they removed the polyp and he said like we've basically prepared you as much as we can and but although like we've made sure that everything is good to go with when when it comes to carrying a baby you will have to go down the IVF route if you okay. want any decent level of success because yeah. IUI wouldn't have wouldn't have been the the percentage wouldn't have been high enough of the success the success basically yeah um because you had one tube removed right so you then have yeah. a half 50 percent chance of if you'd had both tubes got you you also said your progesterone's low and your egg reserves low too okay so he said to to have the best success you were going to have to medicate medicate you quite aggressively and it'll have to be IVF that's where we went with that they I think they suggested that I left it a little while before I started my first um cycle just to let my body recover from the operation mm. so it was the May of the next year that we begun the, the first cycle I began with all the medication and they were quite aggressive with it there was a lot of injections I think at one point there was like four or five vials and it was like suck 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 in the go kind of thing did you manage to do them yourself or did you get your wife to do them the first couple um my wife came in the room and, and then it just got to like I was just doing it all the time so yeah. I was just like going in the bedroom getting it done and then carrying on but yeah it just got to like a a habit really yeah. it was just a thing that I had to do and got on with it yeah, it becomes part of your daily life then yeah, yeah yeah it really did yeah and did you feel lots of side effects from all of that all of those kind of hormonal medications you were having the only bit that I remember getting any side effects was when I had the progesterone at the beginning of the cycle um which was I think it was essentially the contraceptive pill that gave me a headache but other than that no I, yes. I was I was absolutely fine no oh. I just was a bit bruised and stuff and so then you went for an egg collection and how was that we had the egg collection and they said we've we've got four because originally I went for the scan and they said like it's looking okay we'll give you a call about coming in for your egg collection so they they rung me and we said said we've got four I went in and they said we've got four we're really happy with that result that's the best you can get at your age that's probably like the average and probably the best outcome that you would expect okay so that was good and then they it was actually quite nice they kept they rung um the days following so after they'd done we actually ended up having ICSI which is a more advanced version of IVF I don't know if you're familiar with mm. what ICSI is yeah so, so is that when they essentially inject 
the the whole of the sperm inside the egg rather than sort of allowing it to find it in the dish yeah yes okay yeah. so it's very targeted yeah it's very much like they're being put together kind of thing it, that was just due to the donor that we had chosen that his sample um required ICSI so and that was kind of an added little bonus for us. So following the ICSI that they did, they were giving us little little phone calls the days following. So, and the first phone call, they said, we're really glad to tell you that all four have fertilised. Wow. So absolutely over the moon. I went into work nearly crying. Yeah. Um, and then the, the following days, things transpired, and we ended up with two of of good of good quality. But one they said was the absolute really really good 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 quality. Um, so we'll go with that. Did you then get to wait and decide when you wanted to have that transfer done, or was that kind of decided by various scans and further tests and things? They were saying to me, we need to wait for it to be of optimum quality and then we'll give you a call and it'll either be this day or this day that you need to come in. Okay. Um, so it was all quite, I'm very thankful that I had an understanding employer. It was all quite like hanging. Like drop everything and in. come. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of thing. But my employer was great about it. So yeah. And I went and, and they did it. So. Wow. And what was that like having the transfer done? Were you able to, were you on your own? Were you able to have your partner with you while that happened? Yeah, yeah, Kayla was with, with me right through and I'm really thankful because we, there's there's lots of little moments that we get to have a laugh about now, like, oh, do you remember when you, you, this happened and that happened? Mm. So yeah, came, came in with me. It was um, the most undignified situation in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was it was fine and it was so interesting they came in and it was something that you just couldn't cannot see with the naked eye and it, it they just brought it in you couldn't see it or anything and she said like I'm putting it in now and then you you see a little picture you, you can take a photograph on your phone of, of it in in your uterus okay because they, they do an ultrasound at the same time don't they so they know yeah. they're putting it in the right place so you get to kind of see it if you can yeah. see it go in yeah oh it's crazy it's crazy so I've still got now the little t- the picture of him and oh. he's just this tiny little Dot. tiny 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 thing so that's where you kind of got the name the nugget from <laughs> but we ended up calling him through the pregnancy oh. um, obviously there was a successful outcome with this so uh I guess you have to wait is it a couple of weeks and then did they advise that you did a home pregnancy test or did you go in it was like the two-week wait and it was like two weeks from hell basically and they say to you day 14 do your test <laughs> don't do it don't do any early tests whatever you do <laughs> oh sod um, off yeah don't do any early tests because the levels will be like all over the place from your your medication. So just try and think about other things. Just basically get on with it and try and think about other things. And uh, during that two weeks, it was just it was just awful. It was really really horrible. And I suffer quite badly with anxiety, so my mind was in absolute overdrive. And I remember just like one day I was at work, and I ate an apple, and I was like. Oh, that's like horrible. <laughs> I was like, I've never felt nauseated by an apple before. Yeah, <laughs> that's a weird one. I completely forgot about it and I thought, just, I don't know. That's just silly because that couldn't possibly, like, not so quick. Like, that, mm. that couldn't happen, surely. But I was, I was quite tired during those two weeks. And you've got me at one end of the spectrum that was like, really anxious um it couldn't possibly work we won't be that lucky and then my wife saying you've been very tired you know (laughs) giving you the um, little side eye (laughs) yeah you've been very tired haven't you and I'm like yeah I have I wonder if it's just like the injections yeah maybe and I was like it couldn't it couldn't possibly work like not first time we're not that lucky like 
I'm getting, we're both, like, I'm 38, you know, can't be that lucky. And then also during that wait, I had, like, what I then later recognised to be an implantation bleed. Okay. But I remember it happening and I just burst into tears and I was like, it's over. And I went down to the bottom of the stairs and my wife's in the living room and I said to her, it's over, Um, I've come on my period. And she was like, no, 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 we couldn't. And then, like, we were assessing the colour of blood and things yeah. like that. And then I was like, it's overcame them. It's, it's not worked. So I was convinced it hadn't worked. And then we did an early test, stupidly, and it came back as negative. And I was like, it's definitely Oh, over. wow. What it's, a roller coaster. Yeah, I was like, it's definitely overcame them. It's like, it's not worked. We'll just try again. They said they had another one, didn't they? So we'll just try again. And then... I remember the day, it was day 13 and um, was the day before I was supposed to do a test. And I thought, do you know what? I'll just do another one, but I'll do the proper one this time, the digital one that they that they recommended. To, and I was like, it's positive. <laughs> <laughs> like <that. laughs> I went in the bathroom and I did it and I didn't tell my wife. I just stood there in the hallway and I said, came her and she was like what like thinking something awful had happened she came running and I was like I'm pregnant (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was mental Uh, that's amazing because I always when I was trying to get pregnant would always be looking out for the implantation bleed and I, I never had it um I thought it was just like a bit of a myth I know it's not a myth I know lots of people do experience it but I always just thought well surely not like you know thinking well if I've never had this I've never I've never known anyone that has happened to so it's really interesting to hear that you did and did it really kind of make you think oh well I'm I'm bleeding so I must be you know I must be over so wow yeah yeah. I I can't describe how how like I was just like it's over it was just that was it I just felt I just felt miserable I just thought Mm. that's it that's that's the line drawn under that one Let, let's try try the other one yeah wow uh, and then surprise and then, yeah something <laughs> told, I think it was actually a Saturday and it was like the 28th the 28th of May because it's my nephew's birthday um so it was kind of strange because I did the test and then we were going to go and see my brother and his family and all that day I was thinking, I really want to tell my brother. I really want to tell my brother. Oh, I can't tell him, but I really, really want to. Did your family know that you were going through uh, the IVF process? No. no, so you kept it? No. Yeah, we kept it really quiet because we just didn't want to get anyone's hopes up. And if you're telling somebody that you're going for IVF or you're going for IUI, they're hearing we're having a baby. Mm. Um it, so everyone, I didn't want to get anyone's hopes up and I didn't want to answer loads of questions. I just went into a bubble, me and my wife, we just went into this little bubble and just got on with it. And yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah. I can, we I can understand that because then when you are sharing news, it's, it's the happy news. It's not kind of a, we're going into this really technically difficult process and yeah, it's a different kind of news, isn't it? So yeah. yeah, amazing. So how did you find the first bit of your pregnancy, that first trimester? Did everything continue to taste disgusting? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> apples definitely continue apples. to taste disgusting. Yeah. Apples. And oh, there was something else. I stopped being able to cook burgers. Yeah, burgers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a bit of a nightmare as well because we've got autistic children and their diet is really restricted. So my um stepson, um, he really likes burgers. It's one of the very few things that he'll eat, and um beef super noodles. And I yeah. was like, I can't cook them anymore, Matt. <laughs> I was saying to like my wife, I'll put it in the air fryer, but I'm gonna have to leave the room and not go back in. <laughs> That's really funny. Actually, the first time I knew I was pregnant was because I couldn't eat a burger. And it was yeah. it was like before I'd even tested positive, like you know, a bit like your apple situation. But yeah, okay. How did your scan go? So did you go for I imagine a 
early scan since it was an IVF pregnancy or did you just wait for your 12 week scan um I think it was like six, six or seven weeks I think we went um and they were lovely they were so nice and they didn't just use like medical terms they were like there's your baby kind yeah. of thing it was really nice yeah it was really lovely and they said like we're really really happy to say that we're not going to see you again yeah you've graduated <laughs> yeah yeah so it was lovely Aww. it was really lovely um, do you mind me asking how how it worked financially were you eligible for any free treatment on the NHS for this no nothing no okay and um, is that because your wife had children already or I think there... yeah, yeah 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 but it's also like even though like the legislation's kind of gone through and they've been fighting for it, it's still a postcode lottery when it comes to it. It's mm-hmm. what the local NHSs can do, basically. Yeah. So yeah. I'm convinced actually the re- the reason that it worked first time was because the um a lot of the money that we used towards it was inheritance off my grandma who had passed away. Um what a lovely she... way to spend that money though. Yeah, so I was saying like I'm convinced that it's because we're starting a new life as what ends. I'm convinced that it's the cycle, and that, that this is why we're we've been blessed first time. Yeah. Probably a bit like, but no, I think me, it's lovely. Like, I just think that's really nice. Like in the cycle of life, like one ends, one begins, and yeah. that the one that's ended has helped with the one begin. Yeah, so. brilliant. It's a, it's it's a gift, isn't it? It's it's lovely. Yeah. Okay, so then you kind of moved on to kind of regular in the mainstream. You're you're pregnant. You're in the NHS system. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find being going from that private clinic to then being in the NHS system and going for sort of further scans and throughout the rest of your pregnancy? How did the rest of the pregnancy go? That I was still really, really anxious through the whole thing. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm this lucky. Am I imagining it? like for pretty much the whole thing um so but we had the first midwife appointment was on the phone um and she said like you're high risk because you're IVF and your BMI is over um so yeah that meant that we had extra scans and the monitor extra monitoring which was kind of a good thing because I was so anxious anyway Mm. yeah it was it was kind of a good thing really um and then I had my first appointment in person with the midwife and um she was absolutely amazing um because I went in very very anxious and I said to Kama because it said like in the leaflet that we got oh you might be able to hear your baby's heartbeat at this appointment and Kama was like well, I know what you're like, so don't 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 ask to hear the heartbeat because I know what you're like. If they can't find it, you're going to be up the wall and you're going to do me edit. Yeah. <laughs> so and I think we had a scan later on that day. So she was like, you're going to do me editing all day until we've got the scan. So um, I, I went in thinking, like, I'm not going to ask to hear the heartbeat because we've got this later on. So just just go and, like don't ask about that anyway so the midwife said do you like do you want to listen in and I I was like oh no because like if you can't find it I'm gonna be awful and she said no I'll find it I'll find it trust me I'll find it (laughs) and I was like all right okay then go on then and she did she found it oh Um, yeah she found it and I was absolutely buzzing I like recorded it on my phone um and I sent that to my mum but I'd um I'd already told my mum at, at seven after the seven week scan. I actually told my mum that we'd had IVF and it had worked. Like wow. I told my mum, I didn't tell anybody else um, until the twelve weeks. But I told my mum because I thought I read something and it really like made an impact on me. It was like if you want that person to be there for you, should the worst happen, then tell them. Mm. So I did. I told my mum. So I sent like the heartbeat to my mum and she was like, Oh, that's so lovely. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> I didn't mean that. So yeah, that was a that was such a good appointment, like with the midwife. And I ended up sort of saying, like, I am non-binary, 
And I wasn't really going to say anything because I'm so anxious. I've got so much to like navigate and there's so much to navigate when you're becoming pregnant and IVF and the whole thing that I'd rather just keep, I was just going to keep my head down and get on with it, to be honest. And she was like, no, you mustn't know if there's anything that we can do. Um, please do say and like I'll make sure that I use correct pronouns for you and she was brilliant she was she was like so good and I came out of that appointment appointment I said to came I want her for my best what an amazing midwife she sounds brilliant she was amazing yeah yeah Yeah. so you 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 obviously felt like pretty comfortable with her then given that a she she'd found your heart the heartbeat you know she promised she wouldn't she delivered and then you know to be so just so respectful and you know open and honest with you so tell me about as you progress towards the end of your pregnancy and towards the start of um labor and birth were they talking about induction did you say given the fact that you're IVF um okay so well, how did that go? Not originally, they didn't say much about induction. So I spoke to the obstetrician and she was just like, well, you've only really come here because you, you're IVF and your BMI is only two over. And she had the same views of BMI as, which, as, as well as what I do that, you know, I won't go into it too much, but it's bollocks. You know, <laughs> yeah 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 pretty much yeah so she was just like I I don't really want to see you see you again don't need to hit don't need to see you like but if you do need anything like um write my name down and feel free to contact me but I don't I won't need you any further and I said look I've been I've been looking at hypnobirthing and I'm not saying that I'm going to go in like full like zen hippy dippy everything but I need that as my coping mechanism. So do you think I can get the birth center? I just knew I needed something. And I also, I'm quite like, I need all the information. Give me all the information. So I I don't want to be surprised. (laughs) So yeah, I looked into like the the hypnobirthing. And because I was very much like, well, women have been doing this for years. Why can't I do it? I'll be all right. And then I was like, I'm going to look into this further, like about the body and how birth works and getting into the nitty gritty detail because um, I I needed to know everything to be able to cope with it all and know what's happening to my body at certain stages Mm. and just really prepare myself. So I looked into different things on Instagram and I came across like the naked doula um, oh, she's amazing I love the naked brilliant doula. and humorous and I needed yeah. that and there was stuff that she said that sticks in your head like funny things funny little taglines yeah. but they stuck in my head and I used them in birth because they were catchy and they were amusing and then I looked at the positive birth company as well yeah and I did their courses the birth course and I thought, yeah, this is this is brilliant. I'm really beginning to understand what's going on now and what, what I'm going to be going through and what my body's going to be doing. So I developed a big trust in my body. Um, I de- also developed a massive trust in my baby too. Wow. I kind of got it into my head that my body knows what to do and the baby will know what to do. So just chill <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> And I think you're right. If you know all the stages and the things that are likely to happen and in what order, when they start happening, you know, you and all your partner as well can say, ah, okay, this is happening. And the next bit is likely to be this. And so when yeah. it happens, you're not like, holy crap, what's happening? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I really, really, I did like a massive U-turn. I did a huge U-turn. And after listening to like your own podcast too, I was like beavering away, obsessing over childbirth for nine months. Really, really just changed my mindset completely. And I went, in, I, I, I come, came to the end of my pregnancy and I was like, I'm as ready as I can be. I'm That's- as ready as I can be. That's brilliant. Amazing. Tell us about how the birth 
started and how it went. I think because we were having all these scans, we had a scan and she said, oh, he's he's quite big. And I was like, cesarean. <laughs> She's going <laughs> to say cesarean because that's just how my mind works. I just work, jumped to like a scenario. Yeah. And it was like, she's going to want me to have a C-section. I really don't want one. I'm really, I'm really scared about that. I just don't want that kind of recovery. I just want to get on with it. Like hats off to anyone who's had a, a C-section, like absolute machines, good for you. But I was like, I really don't want one. I'm really scared of having that. Very valid concern. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I really, really want the the pool and I want this and I want that. So anyway, she said, like, have you been tested for gestational diabetes? And I was like, yeah, um, I've not got it. And she was like, oh, right. Like, not reassuring in the slightest. She was like, oh, right. Um, and I was like, what am I going to do if his massive came out? <laughs> <laughs> what if it's this massive baby? And I said to like, my mum, I was like, how big was I? And she was like, £8.10. And I was like, that's kind of big, but not massive, but that's kind of big. Mm. Um, so within like that that two weeks following that I think it was like two weeks following that scan to the next scan or I can't remember what the space was I'd convinced myself it was time for a c-section anyway because my mind's just anxiety central went to the next scan they said oh he's really slowed down and then the next scan they said oh he's slowed down again and I was like oh right this isn't good and they were like yeah we need to speak to you in the room um like uh, can you go over to where the the nurses rooms are and um, we'll call you in go and wait there they said uh, we need we want to induce basically after that so I was like but you've not really asked me how I feel about it right they were like I they kind of gave me the impression that it wasn't a conversation it was more of like we're doing this mm. thing which like it sent me quite into panic mode mm. uh, because of what they said they said basically he'd slowed down and the cord there was low cord pressure okay. so they were saying the cord and the placenta aren't functioning quite as well as they should be um actually going back to what I said about the obstetrician she said about IVF that this could have been a risk okay but it's it's a tiny 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 risk don't worry like it's a tiny thing probably won't happen but it it happened so I was like well um if that's what they think's happening let's let's just crack on with it let's in let's get the induction on on the go um so they said to me look do you want to come in tomorrow, which was Saturday, or do you want to come in Sunday? So it was a really short time frame. They were wow. like, we want you in and we want to get him out. And I went into like the I'm not ready mode. Yeah. Even though Denial. I spent nine months <laughs> obsessing over childbirth and going into every single detail possible, I decided I wasn't ready and I went into <laughs> panic mode and just, just was really upset. But like in hindsight, like it was kind of a blessing that they did what they did. And it also kind of gave us chance to like make arrangements for our other children. So we knew we would go in in the next day. So we knew that we had to arrange some things kind of over the weekend. And then let's see how the weekend goes and see how long they need some care for. Mm. But I was very much told during that appointment, oh, you'll have your baby on Sunday. By Sunday, you'll have your baby. If you're coming in on Saturday night, you'll have your baby by Sunday. Mm. No. Mm. <laughs> okay, so um, given that you had done some hypnobirthing and you'd looked at um, you know, the Naked Doula and Positive Birth Company, were you able to draw some information from that? Because I know that they do cover inductions yes. and how to make that as positive as possible. Were you able to draw on that knowledge and and still kind of make it as much as you wanted it to be yeah yeah I really did like once I was over like the original shock of it I I really sort of pulled my socks up and I was like 
do what that lady said in that video. You can make the best of this situation. You can make this situation the best that you can and as close as you can to what you wanted. Um, so I don't, I'd already had everything packed in my bag. I had my playlist on my phone. I had the little tea lights, little plastic plants, because I like plants, find them very calming. So mm. I had my little plastic plants, like, and they had like LED lights and things going on. And I I had the room set up how I wanted, as close as I could. And That's actually, great. they were really nice with me. I remember I remember sitting on the birth ball and one, another midwife who wasn't actually involved in my birth came in and went, we've got that massive LED thing in the other room. Shall we bring it in? And wielding this massive LED thing, colour-changing thing. Ooh. They really bent over backwards for me in the end. Oh, so That's great. Yeah. What kind of induction did you have then? What was what was the option for you? A, a drawn out one. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what happened was I went in on the Saturday night and there was a lot of sitting around waiting for somebody to come and put the pessary in. So they put the pessary in and they said 24 hours with the pessary and let's see if if you've dilated or if there's any progress. So that actually started giving me contractions. So I was actually in, well, not masses of pain, but it was like cramps mm. for like 24 hours. I was feeling it and I was on the birth ball and things. Mm. And then they came in the next night and they'd, um, they checked me and they said nothing's progressed in that oh. sense. Yeah, nothing had progressed and I'd been sat there listening to other people giving birth and like it wasn't really giving me anxiety I was like go on like go you like <laughs> me and Kama were like oh she's smashing it she's doing it, she's doing it. like <laughs> really pleased for everyone but so but it was like really disheartening because I was thinking not be me next I'll, I'll be in there next no progress 24 hours later and I was in a lot of pain it was it was really painful it was like dragging sensations and a lot of cramps and I was like Kama I don't think I would have been able to like, like I'd be able to give birth tonight if they want me to go in and do the next bit. Mm. So they checked me and they said, We'll come back and we'll let you know like what when we want to do the next part. So they came back in and it was really late and they said, There's no midwife from your team available to do the next the next stage. They've got like this, I can't remember what he called it, but like familiar familiarity thing where like you have a oh, midwife yeah. team that you've met before. Yeah. And there was nobody from my team. So I went back up to the ward and we spent the night in the ward. And it was the Monday morning and they came in and said, right, we're, we're going to put you on the drip now. So I was ready. I'd been given that night to recover. And I was so thankful. Honestly, I woke up and I was like feeling so much less sore I I was I said to Kamara I'm so glad that I had that night to to recover because I don't think I would have been able to do it last night mm. yeah so they came in and they said like we need to put we need to take you down put you on the monitor and let's keep an eye on him for a bit and then we'll start the drip make sure everything's okay and we'll put you on the drip um but he'd always been a very active baby so he was he was really active and it felt like forever they were monitoring him and they were saying like he won't stay still until things have calmed down a little bit we can't put you on the drip and we were there I don't know an hour or two and he was still really really active and then eventually like calmed down so they said we're going to break your waters he was quite high up like it was all quite high up Mm. when one of the, mid- the midwives went to try and do it. She said, he's quite high. We need somebody else to come in and have a go. Okay. So, so someone else had to go. But he, he got it. We, we, they finally got it. And my waters broke. And it was just like, everywhere. And I just looked at Kay. <laughs> the disgusting look on her face was like, 
school <laughs> and then I remember there's so many like funny little things like the seat coming up so I was going down from like a lying down position and it was like coming up like an L-shaped closing and I was like oh like really... <laughs> <laughs> it was really awful I was just um, thinking did you find the fact that your wife has given birth before helpful in terms of support that she was able to give you yeah no she was brilliant she was like um a person she was like my doula like living doula (laughs) for the whole pregnancy as well I was like I felt this I felt that Mm -hmm. is this normal I've got a pain in the top of my leg is that normal (laughs) and she's like yeah that's normal yeah that's normal yeah you're okay (laughs) because I'm so anxious so I must have done her head in um and now I say to her I'm surprised like you put up with that because I must have been so annoying and she was like no 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 no, you you were fine. You did you did well, kind of thing. <laughs> um, because she's done it four times. I was saying like you're a pro now. You you, you, yeah. you know what you're doing. So. Yeah, and Aww. I couldn't have imagined a better person to be in that room with me. Oh, that's really she's great. Really, yeah. So your waters are broken. Did you find that things happened quite quickly from that point, or was it still taking its time after your waters were broken? Um, yes, I can't remember if they monitored him. Um, no, I think I think they were fairly quick on putting me on the drip and things happened pretty much straight away once they put me on the drip. And it wasn't at all like I thought it would be. It was a lot less painful, the beginning part, than I thought it would be. Mm. And me and my wife were just kind of sitting watching Motherland on Netflix and laughing and having a laugh with the, the midwife that was there. And yeah, we were just having a laugh, really. And it, it was good. It was like quite chills at the beginning. It was it was it was it was a good atmosphere, and we were just having a laugh and having a, having banter's about having a banter about about right the, what we were watching. And I think actually in the morning they said, "But we've got like good news that a, a midwife from your team will be available later on." And I was like, "Oh, who is it?" And they were like, "Kelly." And I was like, "That's the chosen one." <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um i'd seen it like i'd seen a pre like in a few appointments as well like during my pregnancy so she was coming later on so i knew she was coming later on so i was in a good mood and was happy mm. and we i had another good midwife during those beginning stages as well and so yeah. yeah everything was it was it was going well um yeah everything was i, I was definitely feeling it straight away from from the drip but it it was starting to become quite intense as, as time went on it was getting more and more intense and um yeah yeah things were starting to gear up quite a bit yeah so when things got really intense did you request any kind of pain relief at that point yeah so they start they they started with like paracetamol and I was like <laughs> that's not going to do anything is it really but thanks and wow. um, they were, I was doing the gas and air at first, but it just, I didn't like it. It mm. wasn't working for me. And because I was doing like the hypnobirth and breathing, I was doing the the in and out breathing. Yeah. It wasn't working for me. It was just throwing everything off. So I just put, I put that to one side and I said, please, like, I don't want that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Just got on with my own breathing and my breathing just gave it was like also gave me something to think about so it was count because I was counting I wasn't thinking about the pain mm-hmm. um the breathing was brilliant and re- like a massive distraction for me and then they said do you want power paracetamol we start small and work our way up if you want anything I said oh well, yeah go on then I'll have some paracetamol so I had those and then things were starting to get quite intense and they were off. What was the offered after the paracetamol? I think it was like getting onto the injections, like pethidine and things yeah. like that. But that that was much later on that, that that I'd started thinking that I might need something because I spent I was spending a lot of time walking around the room and going to the toilet, coming back again, getting on the ball. And we had my playlist on, so was like listening, listening to the music, and just like closing my eyes and zoning out, and trying to keep it as like peaceful and calm as possible. And then I was like, 
yeah do you know what it's really starting to get to me a bit now because the pain had traveled to my back Mm. and I could really feel it in my lower back and they were they were saying do you think you might want something I said yeah yeah just give me like I think it was either diamorphine or the pethidine mm-hmm. um so I had that and I, I really don't think it made an awful lot of difference it kind of just made me feel spaced out yeah and like really disconnected don't know if that makes sense yeah no I have heard people say that it doesn't necessarily change the sensations that you're having it just sort of makes you a bit out a bit high and so you're not necessarily able to to communicate the same way or register it the same way yeah so I definitely felt like like I wasn't with it kind of Mm. thing Mm. and during this time like the midwife that I'd wanted had had arrived so she was like, in, she was in the room. So everything was really good. I was in a good space um, because she was there and everything was was okay. I was feeling okay about everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. And things progressed. And then they said, like, we'll have to check your, your dilation. Are you okay with that? Like, to see how far along you are. And they checked and it was four centimetres. And I was thinking, God, I, like, I know like hypnobirthing says like it's not pain, but it is pain. <laughs> Yeah. It feels like pain to me. Yeah. Because my back was, it was like, my back felt like it was like contracting, like hard, like a really hard feeling in my back, like severe crunching. Oh, it was, it was mm. awful. It yeah. through my back. So they checked me and they said it was four centimeters. And I was like, oh my God, I've got ages to go. <laughs> and then time seemed to pass super duper quick. And I went from like zero to hero in what felt really really quickly and I said to Kama I think I just need to go to the toilet I think I need to get walking around again because uh, they had although I'd been moving around and stuff they had the bed in like a, a position that was like it kind of like a chair they'd kind mm-hmm. of positioned kind of like a chair and I was like I need to get up I need to move around I've had enough like so I went to the toilet and then I just looked at my wife and I said I've got the overwhelming urge to push. And she was like, get off that toilet. <laughs> it's like, Ring the I bell. will, I will, I will. Just give me a chance. She was like, no, now you need to get off that toilet now. You're not having a baby in the loo. <laughs> and then the, the trainee came in and I was like, just really calmly was like, I've got the overwhelming urge to push. <laughs> <laughs> right I think we need to get you moving off the toilet then don't we so I managed to get off the toilet and on the bed and um I was kind of straddling the bed leant over the back so I was there was me thinking at one minute and four centimeters the next minute this is happening so anyway I thought I always had in my head that's how I want to be I want to be in that position so I just Mm -hmm. got straight on in the position and I, I knew what I wanted to do. And I had all the naked doula stuff going around my head, the knees in calves out, and, yeah. um, the floppy face, floppy fanny thing. Yeah, yeah. All, all that going through my head. And, um, yeah, I was making a lot of noise. I remember me making a lot of noise, and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry, really sorry. And they were like, no, no, don't be sorry. It's fine, it's fine. And then I was like, God, this is... I don't want to swear, but this is beep. And she said, it's okay to say that because it is. <laughs> yeah. Good. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. I was kind of, it was kind of, although all that was happening, it was very painful. I was still kind of getting, still having a bit of a laugh. It was still quite, yeah. like, the things were still quite upbeat and fun. And, and I, because I had that reassurance in myself that, I, my body knew what to do and my baby knew what to do and mm. and I knew what was happening I was fine I was just I was just ready and um I was like I'm really sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry about all the noise and then the midwife said to me don't be sorry right now I can see the top of your baby's head so there's nothing for you to be sorry about yeah and I was like what like really right this is it the show's on the road and uh, I just remember it was coming in like 
I can't remember who who said it, but someone said it feels like throwing up, but backwards. Yes, yeah. But instead of like it coming up, it's going down, and your body's like. Yeah, you can't control it. No, it, it's yeah, it's pushing down, and as I was feeling those sensations, I was just working with it and giving it like the extra push as well, and and like I felt the uh, the ring of fire that they call it, mm-hmm. and um. Then I was like, wow, like that's the first bit. And I was like, um, I need to do the rest now, don't I? <laughs> that really yeah. hurts. <laughs> but now I've got to do the rest. And I, I don't remember how many more pushes, maybe like four. It was it seemed so quick from me saying I've got the overwhelming urge to push to him being born. It seemed super duper quick. And yeah. I, I would say probably like half an hour tops. That's really, um, really fast for yeah first time yeah unless like I was so high off (laughs) the yeah well I mean who cares yeah (laughs) which one it was right (laughs) so quick it felt so quick and then he just yeah so as they did like the last four pushes and then the midwife was like I'm gonna pass him through your legs now for you to hold him and do your um skin on skin that you wanted to do Mm -hmm. but because the cord, the, it turned out that the cord was really, really short, and I was like, <laughs> so bent over, and he was like between my legs, and I was like, I don't think this is going to work in this position. <laughs> <laughs> so I like had to shuffle around, and then I held him, and it was it was just amazing. I can't describe how amazing it was. It was just the, the best the best moment of my life oh. and I couldn't believe it and we had all the because we had the music playing he was born to Mariah Carey hero oh amazing then, oh my god were you just I mean that's a sob fest anyway let alone when a baby <laughs> comes out oh. <laughs> yeah oh it was and um everyone was really emotional I remember being emotional and saying to him look what we did look what we did little man we've done it we've done it and then the midwife was crying as well and afterwards she was like I've not been emotional at birth for years and I was like yes I got her (laughs) yeah we got you took you down (laughs) yeah oh that's amazing and how much did he weigh he was six pound four so he was small well, okay. So he'd really had slowed down. Yeah, okay. And yeah, my wife wanted my wife was interested to see the placenta and to see the cord. Mm. And because she said like during her birth, they kind of like whip it away and they're like, yeah. No, you don't see that kind of thing. But that it's all natural, it's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. So we saw it and the placenta was teeny tiny. Right. It was so small and the cord was like a straw. But even though I'd had the de- delayed cord clamping, the cord was like teeny, teeny, tiny. So we had done the right thing in the end, thankfully. Yeah, that's that's really reassuring for you to know, but also very interesting just to be able to see it and really understand what was going on. Mm. You know. Did you have to stay in hospital long or did you did you leave sort of fairly quickly? We had to stay in. So I'd given birth to him on the Tuesday morning at 2.42 and then they kept us in until the Thursday, till either the Wednesday or the Thursday because they were saying that he's not feeding well enough. And I said that I didn't want to do breastfeeding. It didn't, wasn't for me. didn't mm-hmm. want to do it. Um, so we had our own bottles and things, mm-hmm. but they were quite you need to get him feeding, kind of pushy kind of thing. And I was like, well, hold on. Like I had diamorphine quite like late in my birthing process. So he's quite drowsy at the moment. And they were like, oh no, you just need to like drag the teeth along the roof of his mouth and, and encourage the sucking, like the sucking reflex. And I was like, but I'm not comfortable doing that. I don't want to do that. It, honestly it wasn't a good experience on the on the ward at all the, the we I'd gotten up in the morning and I'd not slept all night because obviously that he needed feeding through the night and he was born at 23 the assistant 
um, health assistant and feeding expert came in and sort of swept him up out of his crib and was like, right, let's get him feeding. And um, oh, he's not got a vest on either. And I was like, well, we were in a dark room and it was two, it was half past two in the morning and we were fishing around in the bag. And do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I, it was a woolen outfit and he had a hat on as well. Oh, he's not got a vest on as well. Right, let's get going with this feeding. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. yeah, my wife had had to go home and see to our other children. So I was by myself and now I'm quite like God like I, I wouldn't say anything to people and so I was like really like like stunned by what had happened and then she she's doing the feeding look you have to be assertive with it you have to be assertive and I was like I don't want to hurt him he's a newborn baby yeah oh, it was horrendous so they kept me in and I had to fill out a, a chart about how much he was feeding and when and it, it was just ridiculous and there was just no privacy either I couldn't even go to the toilet I had to lock the door to use the toilet and then go in like the ensuite bit and keep that door open to keep an eye on him in his crib mm. so I thought I'm locking the main door then and they're knocking on the door like we need to come in so I was like well I'll just finish on the toilet and then I let them in and they were like you can't lock the door I was like but I need my privacy I need to go to the toilet and they were like, but you can't lock the door because if we need to help you, you need we need to be able to come in. And I was mm. like, but I need to be able to go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's human decency, please. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. And to say that they need some diversity training would be a very polite way of putting things. Really? Okay. Yeah, was really disappointing. So definitely not the experience you'd have with your first midwife in the postnatal no. experience. Okay. No, so I, yeah, no. So I'd gone from this really good birth, this really good experience, being so supported, even during my birth, my midwife, when people wanted to come in, she, she was saying to them, just to let you know that, Mary's non-binary and uses they them pronouns and also hypnobirthing so just can you keep mm, your the language slow make sure you're using the correct pronouns um but I went from that experience to that experience and I was like get just get me out of here I want to go home I'd rather be at home with my wife who's had four children than here with with these people mm. and um they kept me in keeping an eye on him and uh on the way out it was finished with with uh, uh well a midwife who probably didn't have like being mean at heart or she kind of said to us oh we'll see you in 18 months and I was like okay so if you got another 10 grand like <laughs> how are we gonna see you in 18 months like like it's kind of not that easy for us do, do you remember can you get that yeah do you know what I mean? like it's kind of not that easy. Yeah. yeah, so we did complain, I'm afraid. We did, like, had a conversation with the manager of the ward and, and uh, she was like, well, I'm quite surprised that you've had this experience because we do get a lot of positive feedback. And my wife said, it surprises me that you're surprised and it, it also <laughs> worries me that you're surprised. Uh, well, good. I think, you know, if nobody ever complains or says anything, then things don't change and things aren't ever, you know, updated. But I think sadly it might be, yeah, a little while before the whole um, of the NHS maternity system is is properly you know up to date with things like well I mean so so kind of in crisis at the moment with the staffing levels let alone probably paying too much attention to things like diversity and equality training and things like that it's um yeah, yeah it but sounds like it wasn't them, isn't it? it sounds like it just yeah like you said isn't going to be the most beneficial place for you to experience good kind of feeding bonding anyway like you say you're going to be better off at home with somebody who you love and trust who's got lots of experience than people who kind of telling you to be assertive with a newborn which sounds completely yeah. mental yeah um, yeah I just want to say thank you so much so so much for sharing your birth story with me today and with everyone listening it's just been such a pleasure is there anything that you would like to share maybe perhaps some a piece of advice or something that you would tell somebody about to have a baby or even your former self 
I'd say to anybody who was considering it that was scared, just do it. It'll change your life. And also to my myself, I, I would say like just trust in yourself, just trust yourself and trust your baby. It'll change you. It will change you as a person. And I would that that's what I would say. That's amazing. Yeah. Huge thank you to Mez for sharing their story with us. Personally, I hadn't actually heard many birth stories from non-binary parents, so I know that this will be a hugely valuable resource for so many people out there. If you know somebody who would enjoy today's episode, please do share it with them. As ever, you can connect with me, follow the podcast on Instagram, I'm at Real Birth Podcast, or on Facebook under The Real Birth Podcast. And my email is lucy at realbirth.co.uk if you want to get in touch. That is all for this week. I will see you very soon with another amazing birth story. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.